0: NOLA History Guy podcast for Saturday, June 29th, 2019. Welcome to a hot, sweaty version of the pod this week. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's been a muggy one uh, this weekend, of course. Uh, Short form stuff this uh, this week. Uh, no, uh, I'm still trying to process the whole closure of the Times Picayune and write something up long form on that. And we've got a couple of other interviews in in the can that we're going to get to. But for the moment, we're going to do our, our regular routine. We're going to pick, uh, do our pick of the week from Today in New Orleans History or NewOrleansPast.com. Uh, Ms. Campanella's got a new book out about West End. Be sure to check that out. Uh, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit. We're going to unpack a photo from 1960 as well. Uh, just a, a quick thing because, you know, it's, it's like this is the, the final weekend. Sunday, June 30th is the last edition of... Of the New Orleans Times-Picayune, and we're gonna do some some deep dive stuff on the Picayune because it's just well, I mean, I, I'm 60 years old and it's always been there, you know, it's that kind of thing. Now, uh, it's it, it's like it, this is a bit emotional. Uh, I, I I think I, I am finally getting the appreciation for an institution that's close that 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 I really really. You know, considered part of my life that's closing down, and uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like when the um, when when we had a morning paper and an afternoon paper. You know, we had the Times picking in in the morning, and then you had the New Orleans States item, which was a totally separate. Enterprise, a separate institution, uh, in the afternoon, and those two merged together. And you know, for a, a couple of months, they they put the Times-Picayune, the States Item, on the masthead where they put both together. And eventually, the States Item just vanished. And there were a lot of people who were truly upset that. They, you know, that that New Orleans was down to a single newspaper and that kind of thing. And this is going back, right? This is long before internet days, where you had alternate sources and that kind of thing. So yeah, you know, it's like, and I, I as as a as a younger person, I never really appreciated that. And then just totally shifting gears, you know, the idea of uh, of of uh, even the, the, uh, the high school merger that is so close and so near to my heart because I've written so much about it, uh, the merger of St. Aloysius High School with Corriezou High School. And, and let's face it, you know, it's like for me, I, I am, even though I got to Brother Martin, in its third year, you know, it's uh, the, the Brother Martin High School opened as that school in the fall of 69. Uh, and then I got there in the fall of 71. And it was kind of like by 71, it was like the Times-Picayune was still just that big thing and State's Item was long gone. You know, that we, we were Brother Martin. We weren't Corriezou. We weren't Aloysius at that point. So, again, to, to an extent... I was a a dis, well I don't know if I yeah I guess I was a dispassionate observer. I was an 8th eighth, eighth grader who was at this really cool new school kind of situation. So I, I've always been kind of on the outside looking in. Even uh, after Katrina, uh, with the uh, the church parish mergers in the Catholic Church, uh, none of that had a direct impact on me. You know, at, by Katrina, we you know we had the house. We you know we, we were out here in the Metries in Saint Anne uh, in, in Saint Anne Parish. Uh, One boy was already out and off to Brother Martin, and the other one was, you know, was at St. Anne's School, but there was no, uh, there was no consolidation, no merger, you know, no, no, uh, no change in anything, but if you were, you know, if you were at uh, some of these, these schools, you know, like, or some of these parishes, like, like uh, Cabrini out in Gentilly merging together with Saint Raphael to become something else. I, I get that, you know. It's like, but again, I've always been the 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 you know the the on the outside and kind of objectively looking at this. It's hard for me to objectively look at this acquisition of the Times-Picayune by the new orleans advocate and uh so i you know from a from a historical from an you know an analytical impact on the city and its future kind of thing i still need some time to process that so all right but anyway we're going to unpack a 60s photo and we're going to talk a little bit you know we've got our pick from uh from today in new orleans history so uh yeah pull up a chair and let's get rolling so, today on New OrleansPass.com, or, or with in NewOrleansPass.com, I should say, we're going to do our pick of the week uh, segment uh, for the pod. Uh, we're going to go back to June 25th, and uh, today in New Orleans history does June 25th, 1906. John Lenfant's request to open a bar and grocery at 2001 North Rampart Street was taken under the consideration of the city council. It was one of many businesses he would own, and yeah, John L. Lenfant was uh, was a, was an all around businessman. Yeah, you know, entrepreneur is definitely the best description of uh, of John Lenfant. You know, he he. Uh, Opened just a whole bunch of different kinds of businesses, and Campanella is using uh, this uh, this grocery. I love it. It's a bar and grocery. At 2001 North Rampart, you, you, you just got to love that. There's a couple of things about that, though. First off, the running thing in a lot of uh, living memories, of course, is the bar at the uh, Schwegman's, uh, you know, at, at the different Schweigman stores. There's at least two stores, uh, two Schweigman supermarkets that had bars inside the the inside the 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 supermarket so the wife could go off and make groceries and, and and papa or daddy could go and basically stand up in the bar and have a beer and uh, you gotta you gotta just love that right but this is 1906 and he's talking about opening up a bar and a grocery so that that way predates uh John Schwegman and uh, and the bar there but the living memory of course hey that's that's still pretty cool so so John L Lenfant started out as uh, as a barber and then he opened a grocery store uh, and and bar I got a lot of the gro- bar and grocery I mean bar and grill yeah but bar and grocery I guess it makes sense I mean you know I could I, you could kind of see like old modicas in in old Metairie, you know uh, put a little bar in the back, you know, let let guys come in and have a beer and then bring home a loaf of bread. I don't know, but, you know. So anyway, at Elysian Fields and Villery Street, then um, he... Uh, uh, Lenfant was a, a, a uh, sparring partner. He says, sparring partner of boxer Jack Kilrain. And I'll have to look that up. I'll have to ask. We'll, I'll, I'll, we'll tag Derby on that to see what's going on. Then he had a drugstore, a nightclub. Uh, he owned the Elysian Fields Theater. All of these different kinds of businesses that he got into. But where we know John Lenfant from specifically is from his restaurants. Now he first opens a uh, a restaurant called Rosedale Inn. He opens up some drive-in, uh, you know, uh, you know, drive-in, drive-up restaurants around town on Canal Street. But the big thing that again this gets to uh, living memory as well as uh, more recent in that respect is Lenfant's restaurant on Canal Boulevard, and that's the one that that. Has a good bit of memory there. Uh, the Lent basically, uh, John Lenfent, the patriarch, passes away on uh, in 1940, but his sons just keep the ball rolling by opening the Lenfent's seafood restaurant that. Pretty much uh, anybody living now still, you know, would remember, and that's at fifty-two thirty-six Canal Boulevard. Now, the the way to get a bead on this uh, geographically, uh, in in modern perspective, is um, <clears throat> excuse me, you know where the um, the cemeteries the new cemeteries terminal where the streetcars make the turn and onto canal boulevard and then you know hit the turnaround hit that 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 u-turn there in the the first block of canal boulevard coming off of city park avenue go another block basically so we're talking walk down to uh what is it now cask and um and um The Bulldog, the two pubs that are there, and then that Dolly's Deli, and then what used to be the K&B right there, then go to the other side, and what you've got is Greenwood Cemetery, but the street frontage. Of Greenwood Cemetery at that point was not part of the cemetery property at the time. So the Lenfant family buys that property that basically you have to kind of visualize this because now the the cemetery pretty much, you know, Greenwood, the fireman's benevolent, owns the whole thing. It looks like it's just, you know, always been kind of a contiguous property. But the the street front of that part of uh of that part of uh, Canal Boulevard, going up to the to the train tracks, the, you know the mouth of what is basically the the lead in across Canal Boulevard into the mouth of uh, the uh, Southern Railway's Bernadotte Yard. Uh, you, basically, that area there was separate. You know now there's still that there's like a car wash there or something. So there's still that one piece that's not part of. Uh, the cemetery, but then everything else is the um, the the funeral home, and there's a you know an office building and everything over there. Okay, go back to 1941, and that. Was a, that was a restaurant, and the restaurant was Lenten Seafood Restaurant. So now, uh, Papa, you know uh, Papa John, you know has has passed away, but his sons uh, build out this restaurant. It's gorgeous. The best thing to describe it is that the restaurant itself looked like the old, the original buildings at Ponchatrain Beach, and they're of the same uh, time frame. Now, um, now, I, I, this is where you know my 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 uh, my architecture kind of goes in the tank, because I would look at these and I would say this is Art Deco, and for years I've just said, you know, in particular the beach, you know, the original concession stands and everything else, this this is Art Deco. Now I'm I'm, I'm reading several sources and they're saying that that Lenfants and also the stuff at the beach were. Uh, a style of architecture that's known as streamline modern, and it's modern, modern, uh, you know, modern with an e on the end, basically, and that was the building. So you know, is that the 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 white stucco with the all the curves that you would see in the and the and the in the metal of Art Deco, but this is called Streamline Modern, and uh, it it hey you know works for me. Uh, it, it's it's it, that that's cool in itself. So the family opens up Lenfants So the guy that here in 1905 or uh, 1906 is opening up a bar and grocery down in the Marigny, uh His sons are opening up this really really. Nice-looking seafood restaurant there in the the second block of Canal Boulevard off of City Park Avenue. Now, like I said, if you look at the photos of Lenfence, you look at the photos... Of the stuff out at Pontchartrain Beach. It's pretty much, it's very, very similar uh, styling. It's that same period, you know, the beach opened in 39. This is 41. Um, the date on this um, was, uh, doesn't say when in 41 it opened, but then the war doesn't start till December. So really, you know, when you get down to it, 41 is a pre-war year in that respect. So the seafood restaurant opens up and um and and the big thing here is that in addition to the restaurant and this really you know nice looking kind of you know um I guess the I guess it's 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 upscale with respect to seafood restaurants that are out like on the water that are out at West End you know like like the wood frame places like Fitzgeralds and Burnings and things like that where you know you kind of you're smelling the salt water and everything else now you're coming in and it's a little uh, it's a step up from there you know it's not the same coat and tie type atmosphere of a Galatoire's or an Antoine's but definitely a step up from uh, from from the, the West End places, that kind of situation. So you've got the restaurant itself, and then there's this big shell parking lot. Now remember, you go over there now, and this is an office building and a funeral home, so it's the you, you kind of have to, to put your imagination hat on to see this. But So you've got this restaurant, and then you've got a big parking lot next to it, and you could pull up in the parking lot, and it was not just parking for the restaurant, but it was also... Uh, takeout service. It was car hop service at, uh, in, in the parking lot. So you could come on over and they would, you know, basically they cranked up and played music in the parking lot so that it basically was a drive-in restaurant as well as uh, the dining seating inside. And that is one of the things that was loomed large in a lot of folks' memory is the idea that basically you could drive up park your car, the car hop, you could order some seafood, the car hop would bring it out to you, then you had your choice, right? You could either, you know, it's like if you, if you had it to go, you could, you know, take it home at that point, but you're kind of, you know, it's like pulling up at Sonic or the old hoppers on Veterans or something. You know, it's basically you're eating in the car, you know, it's a car, car hop, takeout service uh type environment and that was incredibly popular because you know the kids could get out you could kind of they could kind of run around a little bit you got to be careful with cars pulling up and leaving and everything but you could get out of the car and stretch for a minute and then come in you know it's like you know come eat you know eat a eat, eat your po' boy eat a sandwich while you know they're in the parking lot and then head home and of course that was less expensive than the sit-down uh prices inside because of course while well, they didn't have you know. It's a shell lot, right? All you had to do is deal with the, uh, you know, the cost of the food and the cost of the uh, of of the car hop himself kind of situation. So that is that's lengthens in itself, and the seafood uh, I. For the you know for the life of me I'm sure there are people who would if they were still alive would be dragging the quality of Lenfant's food but uh, you know, I rarely heard any complaints from anybody over time you know real serious complaints about oh the place was terrible kind of thing uh, so you know it was just generally you know good reputation good name and all of that um, somewhere along the line in the 50s. Uh, the restaurant itself had uh, well, the restaurant itself always had because there's multiple dining rooms in in the building, and um, the restaurant had uh, been doing a good bit of, you know, Rotary Club, Kiwanis Club kind of meeting type stuff in uh, in the different dining rooms, and at some point the family decided that uh, we need they wanted to they wanted to up the game on that, so they built out a banquet hall. Next to the restaurant building itself. And that banquet hall was called the Boulevard Room. Well, Canal Boulevard, you get the idea. So um, some, they, basically, what they did was they took some of that big shell lot that was the, the car hop, you know, the takeout uh, business, uh, and then just built out a separate banquet hall facility right next to the restaurant. And then so you have all the stories of, you know, people, you know, my grandma got married there, you know, my papa got married, uh, you know, uh, well, had their reception, you know, have, have, the, have, the, have the ceremony at that, uh, then over at St. Anthony and then come over here for the, you know, for the reception or that kind of thing because it was just uh, during the 50s was one of those competitive type uh, ballroom uh, banquet facilities where you would have a big party, that kind of thing. The other thing that you used to hear, and again, I, it's like this goes back. You know, I, I, a lot of these stories, picking the, you know, the listening to folks in particular from the seventies through the nineties, and so therefore, by now, you know, now we're we're, we're twenty years, you know, thirty years later, uh, beyond that, and uh, so a lot of those people aren't with us anymore. But you know, you'd have the 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 folks who were routines early 20s in the 50s and one of the big things that you'd see with um with the Boulevard Room uh, with Lenfence was they did a lot of dances and kind of open sock kind of things where you'd have, you know, just an open, an, an open night dance, you know, you book a band uh, and then, uh, and all the teenagers would go to the Boulevard Room and that would be the big sock kind of thing. And, you know, it's like you could have a reception to, you know, after, a, have a, a, a Ten o'clock or a noon wedding, and then get everything reset by six, seven o'clock. Uh, the Catholic Church long time thing, long, long standing tradition, where you didn't have weddings on a Saturday night, so no wedding, no reception kind of thing. So it was, you know, just basically book a band and and do it that way kind of thing. So there's just a lot of stories about I met my I met my husband at uh you know going to the dances at the boulevard room. And so that was kind of the idea there. Now I can't remember the story. And again, this is just the pick of the week. So I'm not I didn't, you know, I wasn't deep diving, you know, the 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 details of the business. But I remember stories and if somebody, you know, somebody hearing this, if you get it uh, you know, mention something in the comments or on Facebook or something that there was a a separation of the two businesses. That at at one point the 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 restaurant uh the 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 family that kept the restaurant and sold the boulevard room or vice versa or different pieces of the family split off and then and and the two businesses became separated and there was a little bit of you know if there was a problem with one or the other the other side of the of the business was that's ah, not us anymore you know that kind of thing and i can't really i just can't remember the the, the details on that but you get the idea so um Lenfance itself, yeah, my personal memories of Lenfins go back to being a kid in, uh, you know, kid to a tween where the family, you know, we would go and, you know, went, you know, uh, a few times we were living in old Metairie. So you just came, you shot up Metairie Road to Canal Boulevard and boom, there you were and go out. Now, um, the, the, the takeout thing, I don't remember at all. We would go in, sit down and have dinner. So I had to, yes, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, at oh gosh you know it's like six seven years old at that point uh so my memories are a little bit bit fuzzy and certainly I couldn't give you a review of uh of the food at this point but but you get the idea but so anyway so Lenfence was 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 just an an institution for a generation you know it's that that Post-war, pre-baby boom kind of group. Um, I guess that's still the Greatest Generation kind of. A little bit younger than that, though. You know that um, more like my dad. You know, my dad was in the Air Force in in in, the, in 1950, right? You know, so he didn't go. He he was too young for World War Two. So maybe that Korean War kind of thing, or a little bit, little bit older. Maybe really, really, uh, not even you can't even say you know early baby boom at that point because they still wouldn't be old enough to be dating at that at that point but that's the 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 memory period here of the dances at the boulevard room and then of course just you know anybody who was uh, an adult from the 40s all the way up till it closed in the 80s, you know, had, had, like I said, usually just very good fond memories of going out to Lenfant's. And all of this gets started back at the turn of the, uh, of the 20th century, the turn of the 19th to the 20th century, when old man John Lenfant was opening up his bar and grocery stores and, and that kind of thing. So, okay, let's take a little bit of a break. And then when we come back, we're going to unpack a photo. NOLA History Guy is sponsored this week by Elysian Fields Press, publishers of Hidden Talents by Edward Branley. New Orleans is hot, humid, spiritual, and magical. Anita Torre is a junior executive for a, for, for a publishing company specializing in Christian books and homeschooling materials. Anita's assignment is Uh, is to be her company's liaison with a New Orleans-based radio preacher whose books the company publishes. A group seeking to discredit uh, Anita's client is all too uh, excessive... Let's try this again. NOLA History Guy is sponsored today by Elysian Fields Press, publishers of Hidden Talents by Edward Branley. New Orleans is hot, humid, spiritual, and magical. Anita Della Torre is a junior executive for a publishing company specializing in Christian books and home uh, schooling materials. Anita's assignment is to be her company's liaison with a New Orleans-based radio preacher whose books the company publishes. A group seeking to discredit their client is all too successful, and Anita must take steps to stop them using any means at her disposal. And Anita's means are formidable, She is a sorceress whose psychic talents extend well beyond those of most mortals. Renard Alciator is a 34-year-old photographer who enjoys using his computer skills to mock Anita's client, the Reverend Jay Hadley. As Ren begins to receive information of financial and sexual improprieties from inside Jay Hadley Ministries, his life is threatened, and in the process, his own talents are revealed. He is placed under the protection of a shadowy organization known as the Assembly as he learns to use his talents to improve his photography, help others when he can, and defend his own life when challenged. What were once hidden talents emerge in the hot New Orleans summer. Only one will walk away when Duel is joined. ElysianFieldsPress.com You can buy Hidden Talents Autographed there Signed by the author Uh, You can order it from all the usual Suspects online And it's available at a number of local bookstores Uh, Again, signed copies Of of Hidden Talents You can get from ElysianFieldsPress.com That's ElysianFieldsPress All one word Dot com and we're back uh we're going to do another photo unpack this one is a photo of canal street that i don't have a a photographer credit for it's one of those ones you know you kind of get some of these uh sketchy sources from some of these uh photo groups and that kind of thing but this one uh Popped up in particular on uh, a Facebook group called Vintage New Orleans Transit because it, in addition to featuring some really cool old uh, 1950s automobiles, it's got a streetcar, a trackless trolley, And then an old looks GM bus, and so from a transit point of view, it was very, very, you know, it was it was it was fascinating. You know, it was really really cool. So it's basically a photo of the, uh, of the 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 um, the nine hundred block of um, of Canal Street on the downtown side. So. It's got, uh, there's, you know, it's got graphs, it's got Center Theater, National Shirt Shops, uh, National Shirt Shop, uh, it's got uh, Ross Jewelers, and then a whole bunch of, of, you know, cool, just a lot of cool neon uh, going on. There's a really, really good, really great Falstaff sign. There's a 7-Up. Uh, sign popping out because these are the days when you know the the main access to downtown was if you were coming from out of town from the west you would come in on Airline Highway and so you'd hit Airline Highway you'd get to the city and Airline you know uh, US sixty one became uh, Tulane Avenue and then that became the Miracle Strip of Tulane Avenue is redeveloped in the fifties and then that brought you to Canal Street and then. Boom! Just all of this, this, this visual, uh, just this visual splendor at that point. So what we've got is, of course, this is uh, this is a photo from June seventh, nineteen sixty. So you can, you know, it's like I said, there's there's. Uh, Gorgeous 50s pickup trucks and 50s sedans. There's a station wagon down there. A couple of delivery trucks. But from a transit transportation standpoint, the three big things that the 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 three big visuals in this photo are the are are the two buses and the streetcar. So let's start with the streetcar. It's a uh, it's it's your basic arch roof. It's uh, streetcar uh, Nopsey 920. And it's running on the canal line, which if this is 1960, the canal line still has form, uh, well, three and a half years to go June. Mm. Yeah, about three years altogether. No, four years. Take that back. Because it's June, and then uh, the end. Uh, the streetcar ends, and the uh, is discon. Streetcar service is discontinued on Canal at the end of May in '64. So, yeah, it's got a good '61, uh, '62, Yes, four years uh, to go of uh, of the streetcars themselves rolling on Canal. The uh, the tracks on Canal Street at this point are down to two tracks from four in uh, the uh, starting in 1957 was the the last of the quote beautification programs that took place uh, on canal uh, and this was the one that you know. Basically, by uh, forty-seven, forty-eight, uh, really, there's not much left in terms of streetcar service. So By the fifties, the only thing that's left is uh, St. Charles. Is the St. Charles line uh, two lane gets uh, converted to trackless trolleys uh, to you know electric trolley buses. Uh, the belt service is discontinued in the mid fifties, and so really we're just down to the to what is now the what we know now as the uh, St. Charles route, where it's basically point to loop. You know, you start at uh, South Carrollton and South Claiborne at the terminal there on Claiborne Avenue. The, the streetcar comes in. It comes down. Uh, it comes down uh, Carrollton to the river. Makes the turn onto St. Charles Avenue. Heads into town down St. Charles Avenue. Uh, splits off at at uh, at uh, Lee Circle, which was well, petitioned now to make it Leah Circle for Leah Chase. Uh, so, you know, basically he makes a turn at the circle and goes uh, goes down Carondelet to Canal, makes the U-turn, you know, comes out on Canal for a block, turns back onto St. Charles Avenue, and then uh, returns out. So it's basically, a, you know, in a railroading sense, a street rail sense, it's a point-to-loop uh, configuration now, as opposed to the belt, where basically uh, the Canal, uh, St. Charles Streetcar ran uh, in one big circle, and then two lane ran in the opposite circle. Well, at this point, yeah, the uh, the two lane uh, uh, two lane is running in bus service, well, in trolley bus service because they didn't take down the wires. Uh, but the streetcar is still running uh, in what is now the you know the classic the, uh, the 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 classic route. Now, in this photo, though, the streetcar is a canal car, so it's running uh, basically the route that uh, that was. Uh, restored uh, in uh, 2004 which was uh, was was is, is well this actually take that back because this is also uh, in in at this time in this photo canal is again point to loop you've got a similar terminal at cemeteries that you did at that you do at uh, canal at Carrollton and Claiborne where uh, you've got the you know the, the 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 double switch so that you can you know the cross double crossover so you can uh, come come in on one side cross over to the other and then go out on the other track so that's down at the cemeteries uh the the newer uh line everything merged into a single track they changed direction the trolley poles and then went out on the um you know came came to the terminal on the outbound track and then everything came into one then you took the cross or took the switch and headed on the inbound track of course now uh and so then from there uh uh, basically from the from the the double terminal the the two-track terminal uh, back in the 60s then the streetcar ran all the way down into town so you see uh, this particular uh, streetcar is heading inbound on canal and he's is going to get to uh, down at the end of at, at the foot of canal and uh, the way the the way that the, uh, the line came to an end, of course, was to make the circle around the Liberty Place and the Liberty Monument, just a single-track turnaround, and then would park there uh, basically in front of what's now uh, One Canal Place. So, uh, so of course, when, uh, when, Saint, when uh, Canal came back with the Red Street cars, with the Von Dullens in 04, you had a the single-track point down at the cemeteries, and then that ran point to point so that uh, you pulled up and there was a, a four-track, three-track terminal at, uh, still is there at the end of canal, at the foot of canal right there by you know, basically just in front of Brooks Brothers and Mortons and all of that in Canal Place. Uh, so that was the idea there. Now, essentially, because of the uh, Canal Boulevard terminal, the cemeteries terminal being over in that first block of Canal Boulevard, uh, essentially it's a uh, loop to point, if you will. You know, it turned the, the, the streetcars around in the loop on canal boulevard and then end up in the point uh back at uh at canal at the at the foot of canal so at this time though in uh in this photo the um the the streetcar is running to from that two-track terminal to the turnaround at liberty place then usually they would uh the streetcar would make the turn and then they would park and uh you know then the motorman the conductor could you know take a take a restroom break and you know, run into one of the little places nearby you know get it get get a cu- cup of coffee get a coke or something take a take a restroom break then when they came back they'd start the outbound run back to the uh, to the cemeteries so this this streetcar is going inbound. It's passing, uh, it's passing graphs, uh, Depa- graphs uh, store. Then it's passing the. It's it's coming up on uh, the center theater, which uh, the center theater uh, was kind of a sketchy place, and then becomes the uh, uh, becomes the Cine Royale theater, which is still kind of a sketchy theater. Uh, the Cine Royale eventually ended its time as a uh, as an adult film theater you know it was a porn theater uh in in the 70s when it kind of you know ended its life and then so this is all just a whole bunch of the you know classic two uh three-story four-story buildings there in the 900 block uh coming up on uh you know, you kind of see Barone and O'Keefe in the background, and that's the thing: is that there's not like at this point on this side of the street. You know, once you, uh, there's not the one big store, as it were. So all of these individual stores, you know, the, the, the movie theater, uh, Ross's Jewelry, National Shirt Shops—they're all putting out their uh, their electric signs to to jostle and grab your attention. The um, the The Roosevelt Hotel. Which doesn't, you know, the Roosevelt, of course, doesn't have a, uh, you know, a facade or a front; it not facing onto Canal Street. So it's kind of like on the other side. You always used to, see, you'll see uh, in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, photos of uh, Canal Street from the '40s and '50s, on and '50s in particular, on the uh, French Quarter side. You'll always see big electric signs pointing the way to the Montleon Hotel for the same reason. You know, you're coming in off a of two-lane avenue. And so you'd see that big Roosevelt Hotel sign. You'd know where to turn to go in and get to the hotel itself. Uh, two big signs that are there that, that always that I just love is the the big Falstaff sign that dominates the middle, uh, the center uh, to the to the background in this picture. And then there's a 7-Up sign, and I just love, you know, I, I love the 7-Up logo. It just gives me, it, it the 7-Up logo, for some reason, I don't, you know, have a specific, thing to point to here, but it always it brings me back to uh Punch Train Beach for some reason. So whenever I see the you know the seven up logo, it kind of makes me think of going out, you know, being a kid at the beach and everything like that. Okay, so the streetcar is coming and it's passing all of this stuff. It's already passed the two Hotel. Basically, it's past all three of the, quote, big hotels, if you were there, because you can see a little bit in the background. You can see the, the sign for the Jung Hotel, and then a little bit taller, uh, which is now the, what is it, the B Hotel, uh, was the old Hotel New Orleans. And then, of course, you see the sign for the Roosevelt. But the Roosevelt Hotel, is, you know, strictly speaking, is not very visible in this photo because really it is a block back or half a block back at that point. Then there's the transit. So we talked about the streetcar, and we talked about the uh, the the automobiles that are in the uh, in the photo, and um, and so I picked up a couple of uh, you know uh, streetcar. Mike uh, gave you know some insight on the photo when we were talking about it on Facebook. And so uh, the first thing, if you go from the foreground into the back, so the closest uh, bus in the in the photo is a diesel bus it's what they call a uh, gm old looks bus and that's the classic uh maroon and cream livery of uh of nopsy uh the old uh you know we always say the old uh, the old unair conditioned buses because the green uh flexible buses that kind of that basically replaced the streetcar and everything all had ac but those old gm buses didn't uh and but the um the 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 quote from mike he says the gmc old looks bus is on an uptown express 70 or 71 because the lamps are turned on and um and it's hard to yeah it's like you leave it you got to leave it to the bus guy you know cuz mike is our you know, Mike's the go-to bus guy. He's like, "Yeah, I'm zooming in on the photo now. I can see it." Um, the idea was with the um, with the with the, the uh, with the express buses is you have the roll board on the front of the bus, and then next to on either side of the roll board, were two big yellow, you know, amber uh, lights that would flash. And so, if the um, if you if you saw the flashing lights, you knew that the uh that the bus was in express service and uh he's saying 70 and 71 which were two of the express runs and then there were the uh the uh express 80 bus uh 80 it was express 80 and 81 that would uh that served canal street after the streetcar uh, was, um, a- after the streetcar was discontinued, was was uh, taken out of service. And the idea of the express bus, and then you had the uh, express 91 on uh, on Elysian Fields and 92 on uh, on Franklin. And so I used, I'll, you know, to, to explain the express routes, I'll, I'll, I'll use uh, Elysian Fields because that was the one that, that I probably, you know, that and the canal line uh, express buses were the ones I took the most. So the idea was that Basically, an express bus ran as a local from its origin, from its its outbound terminal, which, if you're um, on the, on Elysian Fields, was the uh, was the beach. So the big the the big turnaround at the end at 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 Pontchartrain Beach on Elysian Fields. So the regular Elysian Fields bus and then the Express 91 bus would start there, and both of them ran in local service until you got to Gentilly Boulevard. Now you could if you were just riding the express if you're just riding it from a local standpoint you had to pay a nickel extra to ride the express bus because what happened is you got to that point like if it was a uh, you know the uh, the Lake Vista bus on Canal or the Elysian Fields bus the express buses would hit a point where they would stop they would, basically they'd stop stopping is what it was. Is that they would just, you know, no more stops from a certain point until they got back downtown to Canal Street, and that's the idea. So if you were on the Elysian Fields on Express 91, you, you, it was in local service until it hit Gentilly. Then when it got to Gentilly, it didn't make any other stops until it got to Canal Street. Same thing with the... Um, with, with the uh, the Canal Street Express buses basically that came up came up Ponchetrain Boulevard or it came or, or you know that was 80 uh, 80 came up like uh, Canal Boulevard 81 came up Pontchartrain Boulevard and then when they got to the cemeteries when they got to Canal Street itself no more stops until it hit Claiborne and then when it hit the Canal Street zone, it would continue so the the uh, the uptown uh, buses it was uh, Jackson, uh, there was one that ran up to Jackson, one that ran on Earhart, uh, and those lines, 70 and 71, would basically do the same thing. They'd hit a point and then they wouldn't, take, they wouldn't stop any longer. And so that, was, that made it you know, very appealing you know, for commuters and, and that kind of thing. So Mike is right. You, know, you can see the flashing lights if you zoom in on the old looks maroon and cream bus. Now, behind the old looks bus, you see a trackless trolley, and of course that's an electric bus. Now the first one's a diesel, so the livery on that bus is more or less the same. It's the bottom maroon and then the top cream. But of course you've got all of the uh, the electric stuff. You've got a hump on top of the bus on the roof, and that's where all the electrical connections were. And then of course the two big trolley poles going up to the wire, because what happened was is that for those turn the for the, all of those trackless trolley buses, they would come up uh, Elk Place or Rampart and then they turn and then go back down uh, Barone uh, Street to you know, just basically come back and head uh, on their outbound runs at that point. So Mike says that one is because of its its location on Canal Street that that second bus, the trackless trolley, is running on 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 Jackson and it's it's running on the Jackson line. So it's you know basically running out uh, here from here to Jackson Avenue and then making the turn there and going to the river. So that's kind of it's like I said, it's just this old. Just this, that old late 50s, well, it's, 19, it's 1960, so it's, yeah, I guess you could say it's a 60s feel, but it's really a late 50s feel, in particular with the automobiles. You've got uh, women in you know, longer dresses, it's uh, men in shirt sleeves, so it's, it's a nice, it's just a classy looking little photo. So go check it out and see what you see, and see if there's anything that comes to mind or stirs a memory for you, and if you, if you see it, just go ahead and let us know in the comments. Okay, and then that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed the two segments. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with some more stuff as we go along. So you guys have a good week, and we'll see you next time.